Morning, everybody. Good morning, Sunshine. Lovely to be with you again this morning. Another beautiful morning. I can't believe how glorious it is again. I think most of the um, Sundays we've been doing this, it's been really hot. Um, so I think we must be having a good summer, or at least we're having lots of good Sundays. So it's so good that we are with you. And um, thank you, Mike and Flick, for leading us in worship. It's as usual, so good, and also to Paul and Susie for leading us through communion. It's so good to do communion together uh, as a family. I think that's just so important, and it blesses the Lord. Yeah, it's just so good to to be able to carry on doing these uh, and have different people involved uh, in in different places. Even though we can't physically meet together, yeah. we can still connect. It's it's so good, you know. Uh, before Cheryl and I come up here, we see you all coming on online, yeah, and that's yeah. really encouraging. Yeah. And uh, we see all your names coming up, yeah. and we go, yay! Oh, just to see them. We love your comments, too. Uh, it makes us feel really connected. Um, so uh, keep doing that. We encourage you. Um, we encourage you to connect with each other as well as we do every week. That's really important. Um, so uh, we've got another... A good preach coming up from Mark, uh, how to kick the devil out of your life. I keep wanting to say how to kick the devil's butt, but I think that's obviously in my mind. The problem is where you put your butt, you see. Well, it is where yeah. you put your butt, and that is a, a really good thing. But as Mike and Flick were worshipping, um, you know, I just really got hold of the verse of our God is a lamb. You know, we know him as the lamb and what he did for us at the cross as a sacrificial lamb. But that lamb is also a roaring lion, the lion of Judah. And who can stop him? Nobody. Nobody can stop him. And that is so important for us to get hold of. And Jesus gave us his authority. So really, nobody can stop us. The devil cannot stop us because of who we have got on the inside of us. And as we go into these weeks, as we get hold of these tools, so that we know how to stand in that authority that Jesus has given us, it is so important. And I just yeah. want to, I don't know if Mark's going to bring this in his preach, but I just wanted to uh, read um, just the, the few verses from well, Ephesians 6. if I am, you're not, it's not going to stop you, is it's it? It's not going to no, stop me. No. So, and this is Ephesians 6, and this is Paul saying, a final word, I'll just add to it, <laughs> or you can carry on my preach. Yeah, all right. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So that's saying to us, we have to be strong. So we can be weak, not knowing how to battle, not knowing what the word says, or we can be strong, and that's what we want to do. That's what we want to become, even more strong, mighty warriors for Christ. And how do we do that? Well, we put on the whole armour of God, so that we will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. And that's what we're going to look at, more strategies of, from us, to get rid of his strategies. God's going to give us godly, kingdom authority strategies. Amen. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We need to really get hold of this. It's not flesh and blood that we're fighting against, but we're fighting against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. That's where the devil resides, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So there are dark, uh, a dark world, dark powers, evil spirits in that spiritual world. And Paul is saying to us, put on every piece of God's armour so that we will be able to resist the enemy in that time of evil. So Paul is saying that, God is saying that, and we have something that we need to do. We need to put this on. What are we putting on? Well, we're going to look at that over the next few weeks, but we are putting on the word of God, the authority of the kingdom, so that we can do the work of the kingdom, not in our own strength, but because of Jesus on the inside of us. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I am already encouraged, and I haven't even heard it yet. You, you so preach me happy. I preach you happy. Well, I'm definitely happy. So I'm going to go and have a cup of tea now and leave Mark to preach to you guys and to me. So I know we're going to be in for a good morning. Yes. So shall I pray for you? You can. Okay. So Father, I thank you that already we have opened up our hearts. We have stirred each other up to receive from you this morning. I thank you that even though we have an enemy that prowls around out there, you have given us the tools and the keys to the kingdom so that we know how to stand strong, just as Paul stood strong, just as the apostles stood strong after the teaching of Jesus. Thank you that we have the teaching of Jesus in this word. And I know that we are going to receive from you this morning. Speak through Mark, anoint him, and may we receive from you and be forever changed and know how to stand strong in these difficult days. So thank you, Lord, that you are with us this morning. Holy Spirit, fill every room this morning with your presence. Be with us. We thank you that we are never alone, that you all are always with us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Good. Right. Okay. So open your Bibles everyone. We're going to 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8, our, our core verse for this series. And one of the things that we, we well, we, we, we spent the first week really looking at the, the first factor of keeping the devil out of your life. And one of the things that, that I said last week is that often when we get attacked, uh, and whether that's attacking us where we are now or just dragging up things from the past, dragging up stuff we, 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 we've made a mess of, dragging up stuff where people have hurt us, where we've got offended, where there's unforgiveness, all those sort of things. When, when the, the, the first thing to do with that is not to give the enemy any place in your life. Not to give ground to the enemy. Remember... Uh, we, we looked at that verse where it says, give no place to the devil. And that place was, that word place was topos, which, uh, T-O-P-H-O-S, which is where we get topography from. And what that's saying is, don't give him any ground. Don't let him in in the first place. And we talked last week about setting our perimeter fence, putting our alarms on, uh, 
putting our, uh, our antivirus software in and making sure that the enemy can't get in in the first place. Today, I'm going to take that step further and, and look at what we do when he's already got in. So we're going to take it a little bit further. So the first kick-out factor, as I called it last week, was don't give him any ground. Don't give him any ground. But the second kick-out factor is what we're going to look at this week. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And I'll read it again for you. Um, where am I at? Okay. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, I, I guess it was three or four days ago now, one of the things that, that kind of, you know, you get strange things happening in, 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 in your life and, and, and so on. I was, I was uh, sort of uh, stood on um, outside our back door and I saw Cheryl came in, coming round and she had a big poo bag with her. And she, she's looking at me aghast like, what's she going to say? <laughs> but she had this big poo bag with her. And because you, you have to clean up after your dog, don't you? But this didn't look right. Primarily because the dog wasn't at our house at the time. She'd gone for a walk with, with our daughter, Jessica. And I'm thinking like, what's Cheryl doing? And Cheryl said, do you know what I just found on our front step? And I said, uh, poo. And she said, yeah, but it's not Lily. It's fox poo. And a fox has come right up to our front door and pooed on our front step. And, and uh, anyway, I've cleaned it all up. Why would he do that? And I'm thinking, well, that's weird. And the next morning, I go up and uh, I was just checking whether the postman had been. So I opened the, I opened the other door, the, our back door. And I opened the, opened the back door, looked on the step for where the post would normally be. There was no post, but on the mat at the back door this time, there was fox poo. And I'm thinking, like, what is going on here? Like, it, it, it's obviously marking out its territory. Uh, we, we, we see this fox occasionally in our garden. It's obviously been marking out its territory. Where am I going with this? Well, my point with this is, what would have happened if our doors weren't shut and our doors weren't locked? Where would that mess have been? And that, that's kind of the issue. When we haven't shut our doors, when they aren't locked, the enemy gets in and he can make a mess inside. And so... Uh, when we see this verse from uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we come across this word that we looked at last week, adversary. And that word adversary is the Greek word antidikos. And what it means is a lawyer who argues in court. And that lawyer argues for the prosecution. So he's not a defence witness, he's a prosecuting lawyer, and he brings a charge against somebody based on evidence. You know, he can't come and, and do something random. He can't, he can't, uh, he can't just step in when the, the, there's nothing there to say. He brings a charge and he tries to present this evidence. And the, in, in presenting that evidence, what he intends to do is to take that person down. And our enemy, that's what, what, what Peter is saying, our enemy is just like that prosecuting lawyer. He comes in, he finds something, and he presents the evidence and he intends to take you down with that evidence. 
uh, and, he, and he prevents, you know, he tell you what took place. He, he, he talks about, he presents the case in the best possible light for the prosecution. He is not on your side. Uh, he, he digs up stuff from the past. He digs in, he brings witnesses, he brings evidence. And the idea is to tie you up in knots. And when he can tie you up in knots, when he can bring that evidence against you, then he can steal from you, he can kill, and he can destroy, and that's his mission. His mission is to use the evidence to prosecute you, to get in, to pull you down, to tie you up in knots, to stop you seeing in your life the destiny that God has planned for you, to stop you receiving the good things God has planned for you, and he wants to keep you in your past. He wants to keep you in the things that have happened. He wants to keep you with the things that you have done. And God wants to set you free of those things. He wants to deliver you from those things. And he wants you to press on towards the goal, towards the crown, towards the destiny that he has for you. And so today what I want to really get into is how to deal with that accuser. How to deal with that evidence. Because when that evidence comes in, when it's piled up, when the enemy's throwing at you left, right and centre, he's calling you a failure, he's saying what a mess you've made, he's saying you'll never get over that, you can't forgive that, you're right to be offended, you know, all these things. And he, and he throws all that, this at you and what he produces in us is an inability to live the fullness of the life that God has planned for us. And so, here's the truth. We do not have to live like that. What, when we find ourselves in that place, it is because we thought the enemy had more authority than he actually has. We have fallen for a lie and fallen for a deception. So kick out factor number two, is to deal with the adversary and take authority over him. To deal with the adversary and take authority over him. So let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Don't have any bits of paper here, any bookmarks. Okay, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Well, I'll, I'll actually start right at the beginning uh, of the previous verse. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of, this, of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. So, what he's talking about here is it's saying, be on guard, be aware, uh, make sure that you don't get led off by traditions of men and the way the world thinks. Here's how the world thinks. The world thinks if you've done something wrong, you should pay for it forever. Here's how the world thinks. The world thinks that, that nothing can change. The world talk, looks at you and it tries to get you to look at your past in order to try and solve the future. The past never solves the future. The past is past, you can't do anything about it. In order to change the future, in order to live differently, in order to walk free, you have to change the way you think. 
to live differently, you have to think differently. And so what he's saying is, is you're going to have to think not like the world because that's the playground of the enemy. You're going to have to think not according to the traditions of men, either inside the church or outside the church, because that's the playground of the enemy. What you have to think is the truth about who, is, who Christ is and put him right at the centre. So here we go. Verse, verse 8. For, uh, for Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now that is just such an awesome verse. I, I don't know whether you know we ever get the full impact of that, but the first one thing I want you to see about that verse is it's in the present tense. That means... Whatever second you are reading that verse, whatever moment you encounter that verse, whatever point in time you think about that verse, it is true. It is true about Christ now, it is true about Christ when I started this sentence, and it will still be true about Christ when I finish the end of this sermon and forever into the future. In Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now that means that the entire essence of God, the entire authority of God, the entire glory of God, the entire power of God is given complete expression in Christ. Christ is the fullness of God. He is in God and God is in him in complete fullness. There is no difference they, they reflect one another perfectly. And that's, that's what he's saying about Christ. Now you're going, well, what's that got to do with me? Well, let's go on a bit. Let's see the logic of what, what Paul is saying in Colossians. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Some of your translations uh, are actually a bit more helpful than, than the one I'm using. Mine says, and you are complete in him. Some of your translations will say, and in him you have attained fullness, which is kind of a, a better, fuller translation of what's been expressed here. Now, this, just let's get our heads around this, because it is absolutely huge. In Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, and in him, you have attained fullness. When you were born again, you were placed in Christ. And so you now live, not from the worldly source, the worldly ways of thinking, the way the world does things. You have a different source of life. And that source of life is Christ. Where all authority, all power, all glory, all the entire essence of God dwells and you have been placed in Christ. All of that is now available to you and reflected in your identity. What is true of Christ's authority becomes true of you because you are in him and he is in you. What is true of Christ's power becomes true of you because you are in him and he is in you. And so you live from this source. And, and the reason Paul's saying this in Colossians is he's going to make some points about what that means for your relationship when the enemy attacks. And, and, and he says this, in him, that's Christ, where you dwell, in him, you have attained fullness, in him, who is the head of all principality and power. So you're in the, in the one who is above the head of all principality and power. 
Now that word head, you know, it can mean all sorts of things, but what it means in this context is supreme ruler, supreme authority, way, way above all those other principalities, all those other powers, all those other authorities. So let's just summarise this before we move on. You are in the one who is above all principalities and that authority is available to you. So you have authority to deal with the enemy. As a born-again believer, through faith, we have authority to deal with the enemy. Well, you know, Mark, I thought, you know, I've heard how powerful the enemy is and how strong he is and, and how can somebody, you know, that's a, you know, that made a mess like me, how can I resist the enemy? Well, that's why Paul is writing this. So, you know, we need to go on a little bit further in just what he's saying. And, and, you know, some people at this point get all tied up and they, they bother about what's a principality, what's a power, what's a rank, what, you know, what are all these demonic realms and all that sort of stuff. Whilst that's interesting, I have to say two things about it. What, firstly, we don't know. And it's just like so many people speculate about this. It's unbelievable. And so many people have built theology about stuff we don't know. Here's the point. You don't have to know. Yes, there's ranks. Yes, there's powers. Yes, there's different levels of authority in the demonic realm. Why does that not matter to you? Why is that not even something that you should be worrying about? Because you have been placed with authority that is above them all. So however high the rank, it doesn't make any difference to you. You are the one who carries the authority of Christ. And you are the one who is above them all. So what Paul does is he, he, he then goes on in this passage and he uses an illustration. He uses an illustration from baptism. And he says that when we identify ourselves with the cross of Christ, and we appropriate its benefits by faith, then we are baptised into Christ. We are placed in him, and he places his spirit in us. The spirit of Christ becomes one with our spirit. Now, none of that is done on the basis of our merit. Now, this is really important to understand. Us be receiving salvation and being placed in Christ and him coming to dwell in us by his spirit is not in any way based on our merit. It is based on grace. What the victory that Christ won at the cross, and Paul's going to explain this in a minute, so I'm going to try and explain it to you, but the victory that won at, Christ won at the cross provided this for us. Christ is victorious. Christ is the one with the authority and through the forgiveness, through the payment of the cross, he offers us forgiveness, he offers us eternal life and he accepts us into his body. We be, he, he, he welcomes us into the family and he does that not based on our merit, Every, that is open to everyone, but he does it based on his merit. This does not depend on us. He does it based on grace. That is entirely his merit, his victory, the price he paid for at the cross. So how do we receive that? We don't receive it by doing great things. I know we would like to think that. 
that it's based on what we do and how good we are and how, how much we manage to clean ourselves up and how perfect we are. But none of it depends on that, since grace is a free gift that is offered to anyone without exception. And that's good news, because it means that whatever you've done in the past, whatever the devil's throwing at you, whatever he's trying to get in your life, whatever he's saying to you, whatever, all that stuff, those traditions of men, the thinking of the world, all the stuff that the enemy's throwing to you that's going on in your head right now or might be in the future, all that stuff that you've got involved with, uh, unforgiveness, offence, bitterness, straight out sin of all sorts, pride, all those things, do not get in the way of Jesus offering you grace, since it is not based on those things. It is based on his goodness and his victory, and we receive it by faith. Now, why is that important? Why is that important to what I'm talking about? Because it, it, the truth is, it's absolutely crucial to what I'm talking about. Let's just uh, roll down a little bit, go to verse 13. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made together alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Here's the thing. Let's look at the tense of that statement again. It's really important. This is the past tense. This has already happened the moment you put your faith in Christ as Saviour and made him Lord of your life. This happened. You were forgiven of all your sins. And, and because it's already occurred, it's complete and finished. The, the, the grace that was offered to you and you took by faith has taken effect and you are forgiven of your sins. And there's nothing now that you can do to make that effective. You just keep on believing it. These things are all received by faith. Now, here's the thing about the Christian life. It's not just enough to keep on believing it to actually change your life. You actually have to use it. So we believe it, we take it by faith, and we use it by faith. And so how do we use it in this context of dealing with the enemy who, who wants to bring his poo in through our door, dump it in the middle of our floor, and say, there you are, clean that up if you can. Well, how, do, how do we deal with that? Well, here's the point. Forgiveness that Jesus has paid for for us is the first and most important basis of dealing with the enemy. And that's that's why I've emphasised this this morning. Because if we don't understand this, the enemy will have a field day. He will play with our minds. He'll throw all those uh, criticisms, all those, all those worldly ways of thinking at us that Paul told us to, to be aware of and beware of. And he'll use that to try and keep us constantly trapped in this circle that goes round and round and round, all these things that we've done and all these things that have happened to us and all the things other people did to us and all the times people upset us and all the times that things went wrong and all the times we didn't think that, that you know, God was doing what we expected of him and all those things and the enemy will come in and he's saying, you're a failure, you don't deserve this, 
You, your life is so shameful, you're just guilty, you're a mess, what, what a mess, you don't deserve any of this. And when he comes like that, now you can turn around and say, hang on a minute, I don't relate to God on that basis. I relate to God on the basis of the victory of Christ, and he died for me, he paid for all that, he, he's dealt with all that. I am, I am not a failure, I am a success because I am in the one who is above all power and authority and right now I'm telling you I'm above you. So you get out of my life. You stop coming around with all your lies, stop coming around with all your rubbish, stop trying to mess me up because I'm going forward, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus Christ and I'm going after him with everything I've got. And that's how we respond. You see, what Paul goes on to say is this. Have, he's made you alive together with him, having, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to you, and he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That is just massive. Now, I need to tell you why that's massive, because you might have missed the link. Just let's go back to the start, what we were talking about. Who's, who's the adversary? The prosecuting lawyer. The one who brings the evidence. The one who brings the accusations. The one who, 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 who tries to condemn. The one that tries to uh, just tell you how bad you are, what a failure you are. That's the way he works. And how does he work? He uses law against you. He says, you transgressed there. You went, got it wrong there. You failed there. You made a mess there. You let God down there. And here's what Jesus did. Here's what this says. It says everything that the enemy could have used to accuse you before God was nailed to the cross and taken out of the way permanently and the enemy can no longer use those things against you as far as God is concerned. And if he can't use them against you as far as God is concerned, it's about time we stop letting him use, us, use them against us as far as we're concerned. This is just so important. It's just so key. You know, I, I just want to really clarify something here. Because when we hear stuff like that, it is immensely powerful. But the first thing the, the, the enemy will do is he will come in and he'll try and twist all that and again take its power away. So having established that there is no condemnation, that there's no guilt, that, the, that, that, that Jesus has dealt with all that stuff that the enemy could accuse us with, and he can no longer accuse us, what, what the enemy then comes along and says, so, you can just do what you like. And anything that makes you feel... Uh, unhappy, anything that, that challenges you, anything that says you shouldn't be doing that, then that's wrong. This is where it's really important we understand the difference between condemnation and conviction. Because condemnation is the enemy's weapon, conviction is the Holy Spirit working in our life for our good to change us into the image of Christ. So how do we tell the difference? Here's what we tell the, how we tell the difference. Condemnation makes us feel failures. It makes us feel a mess. It locks us into unhealthy cycles. 
it roots bitterness, it roots offence, it roots unforgiveness, it roots pride, it roots jealousy, it roots all those things in our heart. And recognising that's in us, it makes us run away from God. It makes us go, I can't deal with God because he's, he's going to be angry with me. That's condemnation. And that's what's been holding us, and that's what's been messing us, and that's what religion gives us, and that's what grace sets us free from. So how do we know conviction? Conviction doesn't make us feel we want to run away from God. Conviction shows us where we still need to go to be like Christ, what needs to change in our heart, and it, 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 it helps us to, to run to God knowing that the arms of the Father are wide open for us and we can go boldly before the throne of grace. Yes, conviction tells us where we're falling short of, of the, the fullness of Christ in us, where we're walking according to our flesh instead of according to our spirit, where we, we, are, we are feeling uncomfortable about it because we, it's not natural now for us to walk according to our flesh, it's natural for us to walk according to our spirit. And in identifying that, we run to God. And that's what the Word does for us, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. But it doesn't tell us we're a failure. It doesn't tell us we're in an irretrievable mess. It doesn't entrench all, all the bad stuff and it releases us to the new stuff because we can bold, come boldly before the throne of grace in our time of need. Why is that all important? Here, here's why this is important. Because we have rightful access to the throne of God. All the authority that Christ had is available to us the handwriting that was against us, the accusations that the enemy brings, the lies that he brings that tie us up into knots and mental pain and get all of our emotions and just make us, uh, make us see ourselves as failures and useless and victims of our past, that has been wiped out. And the only reason we ever go there is because we're listening to what the enemy says and not what God says. Remember last week, I talked about antivirus software. This, this is kind of a version of antivirus software. I'm not a techie person. I don't really understand the difference. But this is your firewall. This, this is what you use to stop this stuff impacting inside. You declare the truth of who you are in Christ. Now, how do you do that? Well, thank you, Cheryl Baines, because I'm now going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. Cheryl's now very excited. That I'm going there. Ephesians chapter 6. Great verse. And starting at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Where I'm going to go to here is I'm going to show you another kick out factor. Kick out factor number three, let's call it. I'll, I'll just read the verses. Well, I, I probably don't need to read the verses because Cheryl's already done them. So I'll, I won't go through all the verses again until I tell you the, the key points. But here's, here's the thing. I, I think we have a problem with animals and insects and all sorts of things around our house. Well, the reason I think that is that I do think, you know, we, we, we get unusually challenged sometimes by them. So just around about this time last year, we had a particular challenge. And here's what happened. Um, it, was, it was really hot weather, and we started noticing one or two dead wasps 
on the windowsill in our, our bedrooms. And we thought, hmm, that's strange. It's like, when did they get it? Didn't see them flying around. And over the course of a couple of days, there were like 10 or 12 of these wasps, and they were, they were dead on our windowsills, and there was one on the floor. And we were going like, this is really strange. This, these wasps are getting in somewhere. And we, we were looking around. And then it was one afternoon, particularly particularly hot day, and we heard this noise. Uh, and I, think, I think we were downstairs, or we went upstairs or something, and uh, Cheryl said, she, oh, she was getting the guest bedroom ready for somebody who was going to visit, and she went to the guest bedroom, and she, she like, screamed and shouted for me, and the bedroom was just full of wasps. There was like hundreds of these things flying around in the bedroom. And they, they, we went in the other guest bedroom, and, and there was wasps all over there, so we go, oh man, where, what's going on? And so we, we went to our bedroom just to check our bedroom, see if there's any wasps there. And our bedroom was full of wasps as well. The, 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 the house was filling up with wasps. They were coming, they'd swarmed and they were coming down the chimney. And so Cheryl said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, you know, being brave and tough, she said, go and sort it, Mark. And, and so I, I went into the guest bedroom and I'm thinking, like, what do you do with a room full of wasps on there? And, and, dodging them and trying to keep out of the way. I thought, I'll open the window, shut the door, and they'll all fly out. So we tried that, and it didn't work. They just settled on things. And in the end, they, we, we couldn't deal with these wasps. In fact, what happened is in trying to deal with them in one of the other rooms, I managed to stand on, on, on a couple of them and get stung all over my feet, and we, we were getting more and more problems. So what did we do? We went and we, we dialed it up on our phone. We got one of these pest control guys and, and, and asked him to come and help us get rid of these wasps. Now, here's the thing. This kick-out factor number three, you need help. You don't have to deal with the enemy on your own. You have God on your side and you have your brothers and sisters in Christ on your side. Sometimes things are, are just, the devil just gets so entrenched, he gets so entrenched in your life, that you need somebody to help him, help you get him out. Um, you know, we've got the name of Jesus, we've got the word of God, uh, we've got the blood of Jesus, but sometimes we just have to humble ourselves and ask for some help. Please help me walk out this attack. Please help me build that firewall so it can't happen again. And that's what, what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. He's saying, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to what? To stand against the wiles of the devil. So this is what we're talking about. Standing against those mind games, standing against those accusations. Standing against that anti-depost, that prosecuting eternity who's coming with you and he's messing with your head, he's messing with your mind, he's messing with your emotions, he's messing with your relationship. And Paul's saying you can stand against that. You can stand against that. Now that word stand there, um, you, that you might, uh, where does it say, you may be able to stand. Here's that, what that, that's a translation of. It's, it's a translation of two Greek words, pro Histemi, pro-histemi. And it means this, it means that you might have power to make firm 
establish your ground and escape to safety. That you might have power to make firm, establish your ground and escape, escape to safety. And, and it can also mean that you would have power to sustain and stand with force. Um, it can even mean to weigh up, uh, to, to, to assess the situation and continue safe and sound. So it's not just a case, it's not a, like a passive, like I'm just going to stand and just hit me, hit me as much as you are, I'm not moving. That's not what it's saying. It's say, what in that word that we translate that you might be able to stand is this idea of push back, resist, uh, sustain and use force against you. And how do you do that? What's your force? The force you are going to use when the enemy comes with his accusations is the help that you have already been given by Christ, which is your armour. These are your weapons to push out. Let's read it. Um, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness and age, against spiritual forces and all the things that Cheryl told us about. Therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That word withstand, that's not proistemi, that's anti-estemi. So slightly different word, proistemi, what's anti-estemi means? It means set yourself against and oppose. It's set yourself against and push back with everything you've got and what have you got. And therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, we have the truth that the enemy is beaten, he is defeated, he has, he, he's, he, the, the handwriting that was against us has been nailed to the cross. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, we have Christ, the, the spirit of Christ lives in us. We have been made in right standing with God. So enemy, I'm in right standing with God. You are not coming to me and spreading your life, saying that God has, has rejected me, that God, you know, that I'm useless, that I'm a failure in God's eyes. I have right standing with God and the righteousness of Christ dwells in me because his spirit dwells in me. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, I have peace with God. I have peace with God. Jesus paid for my peace with God. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you quench the fiery darts of the devil. Take your faith. Use your faith. Tell the enemy to get out of your life. You know, we, 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 can, we can go on and take the, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Here's the point. This isn't just about holding out and holding on and never breaking free of your past, never breaking free of your failures, never breaking free of your messes. That's not what Jesus died to give you. Under the authority of Jesus, you can push the enemy out of your life, even if he's entrenched, even if he, he looks like he's pooed on every surface in your life, you can push him out, you can clean it up, you can get that stench out of there. But you might need help. 
Where's the help come from? Let's just finish with one verse. James 4, verse 7. This is such a powerful verse. James 4 verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he has to flee from you. Resist the devil and he has to flee from you. He has no choice. Why has he no choice? Because he's got nothing he can use against you. Here's how this works. Submit to God, resist the devil, he flees. Two components. Is the one that is just so beautiful together. That word submit. That word submit is a, is a Greek word, hupotasso. You know, it's a, it's a word that's caused lots of confusion because we have kind of an idea of submission uh, that is enforced, that we are made to submit, that, you know, somebody in power or authority tells us we've got to submit and if we don't we get we get beaten up and we carry all those worldly ideas and traditions of men that have got enthroned in our religious traditional thinking in our churches and in our society and we carry that idea of submit into that sentence but that greek word hupotasso doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that at all yes it means submit but it's not that picture of submission Here's what submit means. Um, it means one who voluntarily submits and defers to someone else. But here's the beautiful bit. It means to hide behind someone and take protection from that person. You know, we, we'd have a whole less issue about women ministering churches if we knew that's what that word meant. It means to hide behind someone and take protection from them. And what, what, what James is inviting us to do there is to hide behind God, get God's help on our side, get the help of the church on our side, admit that we can't do it, admit that our pride, our efforts, our intellect, our working on the tradition of men and the ways of the world isn't solving this in our life. And to be uh, humble enough to go, God, I need you to help me solve this. I, it's just not working when I'm trying to sort it myself. And so when we do that, we place ourselves in a position of help from our God. God. Just like that, that guy with the, came with his spades and his, his puffer things and, and, and forced the wasps out of our house and, and they all died and fled out the house and flew out the windows and back up the chimney and they just went. When, when we get help, when we get help from God, when we get help from the God who is in his people as well, when we get help, when we look out, when we humble enough to say, Something needs to change here. I'm not seeing it straight. I'm not understanding it straight. The devil's having a field day. What do we do? We go get help. And when we go to God, on that basis, here's what he does. He says, stand behind me, son. Stand behind me, girl. I'm going to deal with him, and he's going to go. And he's going to go, and he's going to go fast. So instead of, seeing, instead of you seeing him coming, he's going to see me coming and he's out for him. So what do we do? 
How do we kick the devil out of our life? Firstly, don't give him any ground. Secondly, know your authority, face the accuser, and tell him he has no hold on you. And thirdly, humble yourself. Humble ourselves before God, hide behind God, seek help from others, and the devil will flee. That is just so powerful. You want the devil out of your life? Then they're the first three principles. You know, if you don't know Jesus, and he isn't your saviour, and you've never met him, but you just stumbled on this, you stumbled on this this morning, or sometime during the week, or sometimes in the weeks to come, then you can, you can actually make a difference. You can actually change your life. You can humble yourself and say, God, the way I've been doing this, it's a mess. You know, you might think, well, you know, I, I've got a nice life. I've got, a, you know, a lovely life. But really, in finding this, what you found is that actually there's a hole that needs filling. That your life really is missing God. And so if, if these words have impacted you this morning, then I'm going to just ask you to pray this with me. Father, just speak these out after me. Father, I come to you now and I humbly admit that I need you. That I've made a mess of things. That I can no longer do this on my own. I ask you, like Mark said, forgive me of my sins. I make you Lord of my life. And I ask you to come to live in me by your spirit and place me in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you responded to that, if, if uh, you, you, you want us to let us know about that, if you want help, uh, it would be just so good to know uh, about what has been happening. We, we are so encouraged that people have been getting uh, coming back to Christ and getting saved for the first time through stumbling on these things on a Sunday morning or during the week. We, we, we've heard several testimonies of salvations now. We've met some of you, uh, despite, you know, social distance and all of that. We're just so encouraged by what God is doing. And if, if you responded, if you said that prayer this morning, we want to hear from you because we want to help you. We want to help you take the next step. So you can message us on Facebook, you know, just on the page you're on right now, or you can email us at office at faithlifechurch.org.uk office at faithlifechurch.org.uk and we'll get back to you and we'll help you in any way we can. Be blessed. Amen. Okay. So Cheryl now. <coughs> See? I knew it was coming. <laughs> I know, every week as I said last week. No, I meant the verses. Oh, the verses, yeah. the verses. I know. It's... Oh, I always get really blessed by Mark's teaching and this one in particular uh, is something that when I first got hold of it um, the authority of God knowing who you are in Christ and how to kick the devil out of your life it really changed my life and I just again want 
19 pages to re-listen. There are so many things again in that page. As I was listening to it, I was thinking about certain things and then Mark would say more and then I tried to catch up with my brain and it was like, oh, I, I can't quite get that bit, but I know that bit's really important. Uh, re-listen to it. These aren't things that we just listen to once, twice, three times, and then that's it, we've got it. These are the things that we have to keep reminding ourselves about. And as Mark was reading from uh, Ephesians 6, there was the very last uh, verse of, um, um, six, of uh, number 6, well, the very last verse in this bit, which was verse 19, not the last verse in the chapter. But Paul is saying, And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, because he was in prison at the time, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And I was just thinking about um, why Mark and I started Faith Life. We didn't start Faith Life to have another church in Cambridge. We actually didn't want a church. That was not what we felt called to. But what God did, he put these key messages on our heart. And this is one of them. And this is what we are passionate about. Because we had seen so many Christians, so born again believers, who didn't know this stuff. So they were knocked around by the enemy. The enemy had a field day. Their own thoughts spoke to them. And they didn't know how to do this stuff. And we felt God asking us, Cheryl and Mark, will you boldly preach the gospel, preach the mystery of the gospel, not watering it down, down, and get these tools that I have given you into others' hands. And that is what we are about. We love our church family. We love everything that we do in our church family. But our key message is to get these tools into us first because we have to study it and and you know I'm listening to this this morning we teach some of this on rock solid it's in it's in our book um, we've taught it in the church year after year after year because when you've got key messages they keep coming out but I'm listening it to it this morning I'm thinking oh my god I'm getting excited it's just yes I know what to do um, I'm re-listening, it's stirring my faith. Enemy, at this time, you are not going to drop your poo in my house, in my heart. You know, the poo from him, it comes in our heart. I'm going to keep my door shut, and this, what Mark has been preaching this morning, last week, if you haven't heard it, and there will be more coming. I am so excited about, because we need to know this. And when we know it deep in our heart and we live from it, knowing the authority that he has put in us, knowing what we can do in the name of Jesus, knowing that we are never on our own, he is with us. It's not our power, it's his power in us. And that power as we stand in faith, because faith is the thing that enables it to work, as we put our faith in it and engage our faith, that power comes out and hits the enemy. We have to know these tools. If we don't know it, we can't do it. If we forget it, we can't do it. If we haven't been told it, we can't do it. Or if we know it and don't do it, it won't work. 
Just like the Watts guy that came. He came and said, now you have to do this, this, this and this. We didn't know how to get rid of these Watts. We had to ask. He then told us what he was going to do. So he actually did it. But we opened the door and let him into our home. This was the good one, <laughs> not the bad one. We let the good stuff in, because that's what we need to do. Let the good stuff into our heart and keep the bad stuff out. And he said, right, now do this, do this, do this, and do this. He did his bit, because he lit the smoking things. We did our bit. Now keep the door shut, keep your window shut, and, and, and don't open them, don't go back in for the evening. And those wasps have to go. And it just really encouraged me this morning what Mark was saying. But do we listen? There is a lot in this. And I know that if you get this down in your heart, and there'll be others in faith life who are, who are doing the same journey, some might be further ahead, they will encourage us. You know, we forget things. And we have our um, church family saying, Mark and Cheryl, I have my kids saying to me, Dad, Mum, you preach this. Why aren't you doing what you preach? And it's just like, oh yeah, I forgot. So we encourage each other to put these things in practice. And I absolutely know because it's the word of God. So this is God saying that if you do this, it will work. Amen. Amen. So I'm just like bouncing around in my heart with these messages. I absolutely love these messages. Um, I'm looking forward to more coming. Uh, I was so excited before that one thing that I did want to do and I then forgot is um, there was a, quite a few anniversaries this week uh, in Faith Life Family. And if you've had an anniversary, a happy anniversary. Uh, I hope you celebrated it well and uh, loved on each other. That's what it's all about. And if it's been your birthday this week, happy birthday and uh, celebrate, uh, use time to celebrate and because that's the day that Lord, the Lord put you on this earth and that's something to celebrate. So, um, all the notices will be coming back on, have a look at what's going on in the week. Uh, Jules is going to put those up for you. Uh, have a blessed week. Faith Life family, we love you guys. We'll be here with you next week. We may see some of you or talk to some of you in the week. Connect with each other. Keep connecting. Um, that's what we need to do at this time. Stay safe. And we are praying for you. And we'll see you next week. Amen.